Hey Charles, how's it going? Not bad, Winston. Got something on your mind? Yeah, well, I was just thinking that these past few months and years have been an absolute case study for the startup world. How do you mean? Well, you see, before the 2020s, it seemed like startups were popping up everywhere. And I mean everywhere. You had companies left, right and centre developing apps for everything. There was a huge boom in tech services enabling businesses and providing the means for everybody, everywhere, to change the way they live. But the moment we left the 20 teens, it was like a startup apocalypse, <laughs> with startups shuttering every other day. Our front page on Tech in Asia well, felt like an obituary at the time. Ah, uh, yes. But you might have also noticed that the companies that made it through the cull of the early 20s didn't just survive, they actually thrived. Exactly. But I can't help but wonder why. Well, I mean, it's kind of simple, really. They laid this foundation and all the fundamental building blocks for their businesses that enabled them to scale sustainably from the very beginning. Either that or they were just really lucky. <laughs> well, you're not wrong. But that actually reminds me of this conversation I had recently with someone who had a little bit of both. Before I introduce him, how about we introduce ourselves? Sure thing. Welcome to Unstoppable Expansion, a podcast by Tech in Asia and GP, where we're going to discuss some of the very strategies every business needs to know to be able to thrive, not just survive, in any economic climate. I'm Charles Ferguson, APAC General Manager of GP. And I'm Winston Zhang, Managing Editor of Tech in Asia Studios. And I'm incredibly curious to hear about this conversation that you mentioned earlier, Charles. Of course, let me introduce you to my friend Ang Kiao Mo, founder and CEO of Singapore headquartered payments platform 2C2P. I am trained as a computer programmer, originally from Burma, and I moved out to Bangkok when I turned about age of 24. Then I was here happily working for a company as a computer programmer. And then I started my first company out of the blue. I thought that it would be better for me to provide for my family if I have my own company. Obviously, very naive and a silly decision. Ah, I'm familiar with Ong and 2C2P. We have quite a number of articles on Tech in Asia featuring him and the company. Well, then you'll probably also know that the first company he started wasn't, in fact, 2C2P, but a business where he would develop games and wallpapers for Nokia phones. I wanted to write mobile games for Nokia platform. At the time, 2003 was the year I started the company. So Nokia was as big as, I will say, Android nowadays. And then I realized that there's no distribution platform like we have today, like app stores or play stores. I will have to distribute my application through Telco's portal one at a time. And Telco will be taking like 50% cut and pay six months later. So that those are the reality I hit. Since, as you heard earlier, Ong's whole motivation for starting a business was to better provide for his family, Seeing that developing Nokia wallpapers and games wouldn't really cut it, he pivoted into developing software for banks, something he stumbled upon almost entirely by accident. I was desperate, looking to survive, and discovered that one of the bank in Thailand, I started the company in Thailand, one of the bank in Thailand was in need of something called 3D Secure, which I have no clue what it is. So 3D Secure basically is sending one-time password OTP to customers or cardholder mobile phone every time they are buying something online. So then I told the banker that I can write that piece of software 
downloaded the specification, wrote the code, and well, eventually successfully licensed that software to the bank. And with that, here I am stepping into the land of fintech. That one interaction gave Ong so much more than he expected. He learned how the banking system works. He identified a few other shortfalls in their system that he could probably solve and developed all the things a bank would need to operate a payment gateway service. Until then, we simply licensed our software to the banks. And then eventually we switched that our business model to become our own payment gateway. So Ong picked up a few more notable successes along the way, starting a payment app that got acquired by Thai Central Bank for one, which got him the opportunity and the means to join an initiative by the Singapore government to establish an entire entrepreneurial ecosystem. That was early 2008, 2007, right? At the time we started having IDA and MDA and Singapore is, was kickstarting the entrepreneurship for the nation. So I was one of the early foreign entrepreneurs came into Singapore and given a chance to start a company there and became a headquarter in Singapore and received a few government grants from the Singapore government, from the various organizations. And that's how I got a chance to jump out of Thailand into Singapore. And then because of we have grants, investment follows, then we have a chance to expand our company around the region. And as they say, the rest is history. Well, that's cool and all, but what does all this have to do with what we were discussing earlier about foundations and building blocks? Well, it's it's less that founding story of 2C2P and the zero to hero journey that Ong experienced, but more the conversation we had after that that really struck me. Half of my management, my ex-customers, <laughs> the gentleman who is my business partner and my dear friend who is running Thailand operation was my first customer who purchased my authentication software for me. So 10 years after I received the investment, I went back to him and request that he come and join me and run Thailand operation and beyond for me. And he accepted my offer and then he is with me since then. And the same goes for head of Singapore, the same goes for head of Malaysia, Philippines, you know, every single country. These are the people from payment industry bankers, most of them older than me, most of them has much, much more experience than me in their own industry. They know how to interact with people. They know how to sell. All I do is that, please tell me what kind of software you need, what kind of product you need. I won't let you down. That's all. Wow, that's quite a feat. But I'm still not getting how this relates to building a business. What are you getting at, Charles? Well, maybe this will help paint the picture a little bit better. I asked Ong how he executes market entries at 2C2P, and he had a rather interesting thing to say. Most of the time, the way we enter new market is by following the customers. So today, we had a chance to work with the global brand names, where they will tell us that they are going to be in a particular market two years before they are in. In fact, they are already planning to be in that particular market, and they are building their stores locally. But nobody knows that is going to be their store. Because of that, we have a chance to go into the market with customers in hand. So the day we started operating in that market, we will have one or two anchor customer with their name known by you know everybody. So that helped us to expand into those markets. But 
of course, from time to time, we are also very ambitious. So we wanted to go into a market where we don't have a particular customer in mind yet. For those market entry, we discovered that we don't have as successful operation as we want it to be. I think I'm starting to get it. For 2C2P, the crucial factor to their success is the fact that they're always chasing the customer, from their wants and needs to their gripes and pains, to the point that even the heads of various markets for the company are former customers who can inform the business on what the best move would be to capture and serve customers in those markets. That's right. As I like to say, the customer is your compass. And for 2C2P, that even meant ensuring that the people they chose to spearhead expansion efforts into new countries actually came from there. I truly believe that parachuting someone in from abroad or you know, one of our guys jumping into that particular country, while they may have a business know-how, but it will not be a successful approach. So what we do so far is if we want to enter a new market, I make sure that the head of that market is local in that particular market. And we find someone with the right business knowledge and at the same time, the right culture to fit into our bigger team. My experience has been that if we have that country rightly hired, and if that country head is in tune with our culture and the same language we are speaking, to bring support for the country heads, such as operations or sales or many others, are pretty straightforward because they can attract talent by themselves. What I did observe is that as soon as we send someone outside from that country as the like foreign experts uh, trying to run that country, we have trouble assembling a good team together because the five change completely. And this has been my experience so far, because in our case, we are in the middle. We have to be between payment channels, which is suppliers, and our merchant, which is our direct customers. So as soon as we have someone who is not local managing the country, we will always have difficulties establish relationship with partners, especially with the local banks and local payment methods. So is that the foundation for building a business that you're talking about? Ensuring that everything you do is following your customers as the North Star? Exactly. I mean, look at 2C2P, for instance. Anyone can write code. Anyone can come up with solutions to the gaps in the payment system of the time. So their core differentiator as a business was that they put the customer first in literally everything that they did. This extended even to how the company treats potential competitors. Usually, every time we enter a new market, those markets will have a strong player, be it a bank or a wallet or sometimes a third-party payment player. Our role is not to go and compete with them, but our role is to partner with them so that they can also expand their reach and we can also serve our customers. For example, if we are bringing in our airline customer from Thailand into, say, Indonesia, it means we are bringing airline business opportunity to our Indonesian partner so that they will have a new opportunity or a new TPV from Thailand Airlines. Conversely, we are helping our existing airline customers to sell more efficiently to Indonesian consumer. So... 
that's the role we play and that's how we operate regionally. That's brilliant. You are the glue, sir. <laughs> yeah, we try to be. So what we do is we connect all these channels and merchants together so that they all can win together. And of course, we also win along the way. To punctuate that point, I can't really think of any reason why a budding startup shouldn't chase their customers. It really is core to product development, finding product market fit, executing a go-to-market strategy, and so many factors that all contribute to the success of scaling a business. Right. The same problems and opportunities in different markets could have very different solutions based on the target customers in those markets because they have different habits, different environments, and hence different concerns. That's an astute way to put it. However, that isn't to say that following the customer is the only building block that businesses should be concerned with in their expansion efforts. All right, so let me ask you this. What specific building blocks would work best for a business intending to overcome country borders and be able to bypass the many barriers that exist in an expansion attempt? Well, funnily enough, I recently caught up with someone whose own experience might be the answer to that very question. If you want to start a business and the idea is not good enough, <laughs> you need to have an advantage, an edge, be it, you know, connections to markets that other people don't or very deep expertise and know-hows that other people don't so that you can actually solve a problem better than anybody else, right? An idea is just not going to guarantee that success. And who was that? Well, my friend, that's a discussion for the next episode. But for now, thank you, you the listener, for tuning in. If you like what you've just listened to, make sure to follow us for more episodes of Unstoppable Expansion, where Winston and I will dive into some of the strategies every business needs to know to be able to thrive in any economic climate. And if you like us enough or have any thoughts on this episode, make sure to let us know by giving us five stars and a nice review on your podcast platform of choice. And of course, if you're a business leader and thinking of or in the process of scaling your business, and you'd like to know how we at GP can help in your expansion endeavors, make sure to visit our website at www.g-p.com. Until next time, I'm Charles Ferguson. And I'm Winston Zhang. And we'll catch you next time.